Welcome to the Phil and the Kid podcast. I'm Phil Gardner. And I'm Spiro Vesalis. And today we're talking about refinancing and repeating the final two R's in verb. So we are, uh, we're finally back. We haven't been... Solo. Solo for... We, we were riding dirty. Weeks. Yeah. Riding solo. Yeah, a lot more space. As you can see um, on the YouTube version... We got a new fancy sign. It's a little it's a shiny. Thingy. Yeah, it's too, definitely too shiny for all the lights we have in here. Yeah. That's for sure. But it, it does the job. Um, yeah. Nice little Toronto skyline. Has our logos. And uh, at Phil and the Kid, if you didn't know. If you're watching this podcast and you don't know that we are at Phil and the Kid on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you should probably uh, give um, yourself a shake. I'm hoping that's not the case because we have far and away more. interactions on Instagram and on listens from the podcast. Yeah, that's true. Instagram's bumping right now. Yeah. So those little clips. (laughs) The little clips are solid. Yeah, the little clips. (laughs) So how was your uh, past week? When we drop this, it'll be past Um, Halloween. I guess it'll be November. It'll be officially into November by the time this is released, which is wild. Yeah, the first, I think, two or three days of November, it's like snowing, like three, five degrees. Already? Yeah, it's oh, crazy. I think the last I heard of it was like 18, the 18th was like our first snowfall. But I guess we're upping the ante here. Yeah, it's supposed so, to snow on Friday. So I great. guess this is, we'll, we'll see when this gets released. Uh, we may have predicted the future. Put, put your snow. <laughs> Spiro, a.k.a. Nostradamus here, is <laughs> telling us. To put our snow tires on, folks. Oh, yeah. I got to put mine on, actually. Oh. Telling myself to put mine on. There you go. Whew. So, uh, what have I week. been up to? Yeah. What have I been up to? Well, I th- from our last, I think when we recorded with Billy, we were closing date on uh, on our property, the infamous 671. Um, since we've kind of gotten some contractors through, starting a wee bit of uh, the, the lighter work, but the bulk of the work is going to be... Starting in the next few weeks, all the demo and things like that. So we've just had kind of the exterior guys go through, get uh, get started on the AC that needs to be installed, that type of stuff. And then I think today we're taking our first video walkthrough of the place. Yes, we so are. So that'll be a good property. You can kind of watch along on YouTube as it progresses throughout the winter. We'll probably, hopefully, finished by mid to late January. Not uh, Not too, too much going on there. So that's uh, that's a fun one. Um, Monica Jazik and Real Property Investments have their event coming up this weekend on on Sunday. So I mean, by the time this is launched, you will have already missed it. But we're we've been spending a lot of time prepping for that. That's really exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Hanging out with the crowd, getting uh, getting to meet a lot of new people, potential investors, educating. It'll be a good, very good weekend. Yeah, running we'll the have, film the kid booth, and it. you're also on the panel there. Yeah, so. I will be speaking on uh, on a, like an agent panel that they've got agents throughout different investment markets, and then yeah, we've got our our booth for Phil and the Kid, our Toronto investment model. Hence the reason for getting that sign in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun weekend, and then otherwise like work, you know, with with uh, clients and properties, we've been kind of back and forth on this crazy Whitby listing. Uh, we had a deal accepted, it fell through and we had another one and then it fell through both of which on like finance. So it's, I don't know, Whippy's just a weird spot. I've never, <laughs> never done anything really outside of Toronto. So we've got this Whippy listing that I'm used to, you know, on Toronto listings, people acting quickly, having to compete on like reducing conditions and things yeah. like that. I, I have 
it, it's just been a weird process altogether compared to what I would expect. It's from a different Toronto. beast for sure. Everyone's just a little more laid back, right? Everyone's a lot. People move faster in Toronto. Mm-hmm. People are more, I think, committed, more serious about the offers that they make in in Toronto. Um, yeah, and you learn that the hard way. Yeah, the hard way, especially when it's driving back and forth to Whippy. Uh, so this has been an interesting one. Definitely a learning uh, learning curve as uh, as my first listing, actually. So it's been it's been good though. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of ups and downs, but a lot of education has come out of it. That's and, good. And then from a uh, from a client buyer perspective, it seems like it's end user season for Phil. So a lot of uh, a lot of friends and clients looking to purchase their own properties. Uh, so I've gone on uh, gone on a few tours, made a couple offers with uh, with a client. We're looking at some more stuff tonight, and then uh, I've got another buddy and his girlfriend who were were going out and hitting the ground with hit them, check things out on Sunday. And now we're kind of, it was the first tour, so we're working towards finding something that's kind of right fit for them long term. Nice. Totally different beast, right, than working with uh, yeah. with investor clients. Yeah, it's totally it's different. Shifting gears huge from, like, if I can look at the numbers and I know the numbers work, easy peasy, right? Math is math. And, and when you look at an investment property, that's most of what you're doing versus bringing emotions into it and where they want to live and raise a family and all that type of stuff. So that's, uh, I mean, I know it's what most agents deal with on 99% of their business, but it's totally not what we have been dealing with, right? So it's a bit of a, a learning curve there as well. But it's good. The, this podcast is actually turning out more end-user clients for me than uh, <laughs> than investor clients, which I don't know whether or not was the, the purpose or not, but one way or the other, it's working out great. So thanks for <laughs> listening, guys. <laughs> No, yeah, residential. I think it's a little bit easier to find residential investments. Uh, uh, sorry, not investments, Purchase uh, purchases. Yeah, that just because not everybody can be. An yeah, investor. of course, of uh, course. And it takes a certain level of financial stability mm-hmm. to be able to invest. So everybody needs a place to live. Yeah, and I think that's what you're gonna find. Um, clients will come quicker, easier mm-hmm. as residential buyers. Yes, and it, it seems like uh, I mean, at least from my experience, they're less. Actually, no, less picky is not the right word. That's for sure. Um, but it's been, it, like I said, it's been a good process mm-hmm. so far. And I think some things that are honestly helping too, as I'm learning, is a lot of that because I have such a strong investment, like real estate investment background, a little bit of that knowledge comes through and is still beneficial for them in the long term, right? Yes. Just because it's your own home doesn't mean it's, sh- I mean, it's the biggest purchase you're ever going to make, right? Doesn't mean it shouldn't be a wise financial decision. Well, actually, you just brought that up. In this summer, we sold the property to residential buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around 950 uh, and great area, mm-hmm. amazing area, Dover Court area. Um, most of the properties done up there go for over a million dollars. Right. So this one needed a lot of work. It was like an old lady's house or whatever before. Yep. Um, so it was, it looked a lot like one of the investment properties that we buy. Right. So it needed a lot of work and initially they wanted turnkey. They were looking for homes priced way higher. Right. So we found this one, great neighborhood, somewhere they wanted to be a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. They got it. We estimated around $200,000 for renovations and that's like nice renovations, everything, you know, Mm -hmm. done to their standards. Uh, when you're investing, it would probably be half the price, something like that. Um, Anyways, that being said, let's say it's 1.1, 1.15 is the price of all in that yep. they have to pay. There is a house that just sold maybe four or five homes down mm-hmm. for 1.4. Boom. So they just made uh, $250,000. Yeah. yeah. 
So they realized, especially the husband who he helped out, he's like, mm -hmm. holy shit. Like, yeah, we can just sell this, flip it, and then just have made it. Yeah. A full or, year's family salary. Yeah. Just like that. Or the topic of today's podcast, they could refinance it yes. and leverage that, use those funds to do something that's a better return. But I, I am finding that, right? A lot of end users, or at least the ones that I'm working with, will, because we have such a good investment background, because we have the connections with the trades, the guys that can do the work mm -hmm. to these properties, a lot of end users kind of start out like, hey, I want finished, done, done kind of property, right? And then when we start looking at some of them, hitting heading into those offer dates, seeing how far over, how crazy they get. And then you look at the ones that aren't done and they have no offers and they're sitting on the market. Yeah. At, because people don't want to do the work. You see the space that you can just leverage a little bit of construction, class up, most of them are just finishes, right? Class up the finishes of what's existing in the property and then be that property that was sold for however much over asking, multiple offers, yada, yada, yada. And the, the difference there is well and above, in most cases, the amount of money you spend on renovations, right? Yeah. I mean, assuming you're not putting in gold faucets and you know crazy things like that, but assuming the renovation is in keeping with whatever else is on the street, at least right now and the stuff that we've been looking at, you're from a, a beat up property that needs a little bit of renovation compared to a done property that needs nothing, you're always going to make some, I mean, not always, can't guarantee it, right? But no, no, no. There, there is very often a spread on, yeah. on that, which, uh, again, maybe not everybody wants to take on a project, but if you are willing to, there is definitely some money to be made in a lot of these, uh, a lot of these properties, even if it's not an investment, even if it's just your own, your own home. Well, it's, right? it's the, also the easiest way to take that first step. So a lot of people that can't afford to buy the you know, turnkey mm -hmm. properties or investment properties, buying your first residential property that has a nice spread like that, mm -hmm. it allows you the opportunity for the future Yeah, where you could refinance, you could sell and make profit. And it's just a huge investment opportunity. Yeah, It's way better to buy a property like that, in my opinion, and yep. I think in your opinion too, and have that flexibility where you know, okay, worst case, even if the market does take a small dip, mm -hmm. you're still worth what you're you got, worth. You built in that appreciation, yeah. right? Yeah. And it, I mean, it also helps when you're talking about, let's say you don't plan to refinance. Let's say you don't plan to do any investments with it. But if you want to then leverage that down the road for your next future home, right? You, again, you're starting from a better position than had you just sunk all the money into a finished property, right? You're starting from a position with a little bit of built-in equity, which is nice. Yeah, I like that. Cool. That's, so, that was your week. That's me. Tell me about you. Mine was, uh, again, some client work, some prospects, got some uh, messages from um, our online sites. Oh, nice. Uh, and one was actually about the property you have listed in Sweet. Whitby. So um, we'll see where that goes. Cool. Gonna Going to try to you know, close well, that. Good, That'd be good nice. Good time now with yeah. that uh, falling apart again. Yeah, I know. It would, it would be nice. Um, also, uh, there was a story. Okay, so last week I wanted to show a property. Um, a pretty good investment. It was a turnkey investment. So okay. the returns aren't as ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But uh, for my current investor, yep. he's he doesn't really care. He, he gotcha. wants something that's more ready, easy, yep. doesn't have to worry, knows he can rent it out, less headaches. And, it, and it's true. Less risk, mm -hmm. uh, less reward. Yep. And, and he's totally fine with that, which is perfect. Um, so really exciting. The property is really nice. We wanted to make a move. Literally the same, and it's been sitting for a while, a few mm -hmm. weeks. Uh, so the same day, I was kind of uh, not not pushing him, but mm -hmm. I, I 
got all the information, yeah. sent it out to him. Hey, time to go. Yeah, time to go. He was all excited about it, booked an appointment for the next day. Angel calls me back. Oh, we actually just got an offer out of all days. It was sitting for probably a month. Yeah. So kind of held us back. We, we couldn't see it that night, which we could have competed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he really wanted to compete, which is yeah. totally it's, fair. It's, it's tough. A lot of people want to just stay yeah. away from that, right? Which is fine. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Some, at some extent, you know, you just let it see what, let's see what happens and move forward. Mm-hmm. Week goes by, the deal falls through. Now it's back on the market. Agent calls me, says, hey, um, just letting you know, you can go in on this now. It's back on the market. Cool. So contacted him. We're excited. We're going to go see it, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. But I, I think it's a great opportunity. Oh, and, nice. Uh, okay. And so does he. So so it's, it looks positive for the nice. future. So you guys want to see it soon? Hopefully. Yes, yes. By the time this podcast out, we'll already see it. And, uh, ideally hopefully, have an offer? Yeah. Accepted ideally offer, have, ideally? have an accepted offer. Nice. Yeah. It's a little bit over priced right now which works yeah. in our favor i think um oh, that's why he's sitting there i guess it's yeah it's just sitting there i mean it initially was priced even higher mm-hmm. and um i don't think it's it's because of the other agent it's just sometimes yeah. you have to do what's best for your client yeah of course and uh client's the boss and the, the client's the boss you're, you're just rep- literally agent you're just representing yeah. their values um other than that uh we also had a sale last week i believe it was last week maybe a week and a half um had a pretty busy week uh same day it was listed it was mm-hmm. it was practically sold the next the next Boom. day it was showed the same day and oh this is that young and shepherd one right yeah gotcha. really nice it, it was a condo it just went it, it, we i think we got i don't want to say lucky but mm-hmm. the timing of it nothing else was on the market oh, in that good. little area in that, in that okay. building or whatever for this for the so exact any, anyone and everyone that's looking to move to that would, general was direction that, is going was to that you. and it yeah. was if i'm if i recall it was Fairly standard, like one bedroom condo. Yeah, kind of one bedroom condo. Real easy condo. entry level. Yeah, it's perfect. a nice place. I mean, all the comps were priced much less. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, yeah, supply and demand. Yeah, there's, there's nobody, no supply. Nobody else is there. And then, yeah, away then you go. the demand goes up. So uh, our clients happy. We're happy, Good. and uh, now we're moving forward. Just finding our client another place to live uh, mm-hmm. closer to the downtown core. Sweet. So yeah, that's my that's my week. That's my awesome. update. Keep it short and sweet. Yeah. So let's dive in. Yeah, let's so, go. So we've talked about the Burr process. Buying, renovating, renting. Now we're on to the final two R's. We're going to do the, the final two in one because Might as well. re- repeat is pretty straightforward. We're not going to spend pretty, five minutes. Pretty self-explanatory episode. process yes. on, the, on the repeat. Yes. We'll just jump right ahead. When it's done and you get your money back from the refinance, there's an alarm. <laughs> Do this all over again. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. This, that's the whole point of the burr process is point, to yeah. repeat. Um, so let's start out refinancing now, though. That's the, the nitty-gritty part of it. That's the part that I believe most people will be um, It's the confusing less, part. Yes, I yes. It's more for, confusing. For, I mean, people understand, okay, you got to buy a house. People understand, okay, you got to renovate a house if it's ugly. And then renting it out. You got to put some tenants in. Pretty self-explanatory. The refinance part, I find, is where most people go. What the fuck is a refinance? Yeah, I've never heard of that term in my life. And that's where this is the part too, where a lot of investors that have, let's say, owned their home, or not yet investors that have, let's say, owned their home for twenty years, thirty years, it's paid off, or it's damn near paid off, or hell it's the same value mortgage when they first bought it but it's appreciated for mm-hmm. example right yeah there's so much equity inbuilt in a lot of people's homes especially in the gta if they've owned them for so long 
that's the first lever for a lot of people to get into the, the real estate investing space is through either a refinance or in a lot of cases, a home equity line of credit, which could work hand in hand here with a refinance. Um, and it's, it's something that like when it's first brought up every, a lot of people that I've talked to, oh, what's, what is that? How do I, how do I do that? Yeah. Do I, do I get penalized for breaking my mortgage? Do I, what, what's happened? How do I get this cash? What do you mean? Ca- I get paid cash. That's, I don't get taxed on like <laughs> so many, so many questions. Uh, so that's kind of what we're doing today. It's right? also scary for a lot of people. They've spent, as you said, 20 years, 10 yeah. years, 15 years, just building up their, the value of their home, paying mm-hmm. their mortgage, pa- paying it down. Yes. That is, it's such a paradigm shift for the, the Gen Xers and the baby mm-hmm. boomers and like that generation where everything was brought up to pay down, pay down, no debt. Debt is bad. doesn't matter what the debt is. It's all bad. I want my house paid free and clear and then I'm happy and I can live there forever and blah, 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 blah. But the point that they're missing out on is that there are, so let's say, for example, you're going to refinance your property and your mortgage is 3%. There is so many other investment opportunities that you could do with hundreds of thousands of dollars that are coming out of your property that pay worlds beyond 3% oh, yeah. annually, right? And you have, so just a quick story. My grandpa has the... The typical immigrant story came here with a couple bills in his pocket, twenty dollars, whatever it was. Lived with family here who all moved from Greece, and he is probably the biggest workhorse I've ever met in my life. Like, like the guy was sixty-five, seventy with guns bigger than me. Like, I'm not even (laughs) joking. He's a beast. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few years ago, this is, and and I'm saying a few years ago. He's, I, I believe, eighty-two right now. Right. A few years ago, three, four. This guy lifted a fridge. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, he, he's insane. Just a beast of a man. I've seen Billy lift a fridge, and even he passes out right afterwards. Oh, yeah, it's tough. And he just he's just like, no, you guys are doing it wrong, and just lifts it. And we're like, holy, like, calm down. So yeah. this is the type of person he is. He came here and just started working construction mm-hmm. all day, every day, his whole life. Yep. His whole life worked for the city, working hard, saving all his money, and buying properties. Back in the day, way cheaper. Yeah, right? of course. It wasn't million-dollar properties. It was very easy. Well, okay, I don't want to say very easy, but easier to yeah. extend of salary. So, so, di- di- yeah, it's a different scenario mm-hmm. back in the well, day, Well, right? even if you look now, the past 20 years, salaries haven't really yeah. risen that much, match. but the house prices have quadrupled. Yeah, they don't. The, which the is, does not match. Yes, it, that's, that's something that kind of raises a flag for economists. They see that and say, well, why aren't salaries... Mm-hmm. Increasing a wire properties. It's it's basic supply and demand. There there's yeah. the demand is way higher than the supply. That's why it's going up. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the story. So he he has paid down a handful of properties now mm-hmm. that he has owned. Now he has never wanted to refinance because that was the mindset. He yeah. he came pay from down, literally down, nothing, down. a village in the mountains in Greece. Yep. Right, just a farm, whatever it was. Moved, worked. Moved, worked again, moved, mm. worked again, and built something out of nothing, out of nothing. The Canadian dream, literally. Yep. And he finally has these three properties. Now, if he did refinance them, he could have had 20, 40, 50, yeah. 100 at this point. Um, but, I mean, it's a super success story on its own yes. right now. And he's happy with it. That. Is, it's totally it is fine. beyond the Canadian dream. Yes. Right? It is the Canadian dream and then a few steps, a few steps past that. And I think that's for a lot of people, especially that generation, is... Totally fine. Yeah, right? he has a property for each of his kids. Yeah, and there now that's that's what he's happy with. So mm. again, success. But the 
I guess I guess it's more of a modern. I wouldn't even say it's more of a modern uh, perspective on mm-hmm. this. It's just the difference perspective where yeah. that's okay. I mean, yep. it's okay to have that as long as you're leveraging it properly. So yeah. actually, I wanted to talk about that too. So okay. again, my background is uh, is in business, finance, economics. So I've written down this definition many times in my life. Okay. On tests, exams, or whatever. Leverage, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I still want to read it. So I've looked it up. I want to read it to everybody because it's way better than my memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so w- what leveraging is, is using borrowed capital, usually for an investment, yep. and expecting the profits made to be greater than the interest payable. So let's say I borrow $100 from Phil, yep. and he says, you have to give me back $110 in a month. Okay, so that's 10% interest. In a month. Yes, in a month. Now, don't borrow from Phil. I can <laughs> I can borrow that $100. If I can't make at least $10 extra, then mm. it's, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm losing course. money. So losing if money. I if I only give him back if or if I use that $100 and I make $105, yep. then at the end of the day I'm oh Phil You're 5 more owed, dollars. Owed 5, so you yeah. Yes. But if I can take that and make $120, well, now I gave Phil back his $100 plus the $10 interest, mm-hmm. and I have $10 in my own pocket. This is a very basic example, but this is what leveraging is yeah. to the higher degree in real estate or in other yeah. investment purposes. And in this, in this scenario, and in, in, our, in our real estate scenario, you're doing the same thing, but you're not borrowing from Phil. You're borrowing from your own asset, basically, yes. right? And other, let's put it, let's dumb it down even simpler. Back to grade two, leverage being... Hey, I have this tiny little thing over here, and I have this thing in the middle, and I have this lever here, and I can lift this much bigger thing on the opposite side, right? Small little Phil can leverage one tiny little properties and push down on the proper side of the lever and get far more. Just in like that, again, super, super basics, but that's, uh, that's kind of how it works. So why don't we talk about what exactly... I mean, we know why we're going to do it, right? We know the whole Burr process is built to accelerate your real estate portfolio growth. Why are we going to refinance a property? Well, it's typically going to be to buy another property to accelerate our real estate portfolio or buy Phil and McLaren, but you know, <laughs> not the greatest financial decision. And some other people too invested into their own personal businesses. Once Correct. you get to the yeah. point, I mean, maybe not after the first one because you kind of want to grow your portfolio mm-hmm. more. I mean, you could after your first one too. There's no stopping you. But yep. a lot of people want to pursue their lifelong dream or let's say they want to stop working for someone and do the same thing they're doing but yeah. on their own time on their own uh, schedule whatever yep they'll use that money to start their own business yeah. so it's it could be used for practically Back anything. to to be to be a smart and like on billy's episode we talk a lot about defensive investing mm-hmm. right so to be a smart and defensive investor and to follow with spiro's recent definition if you're going to take money out of your home, you better be damn sure that you're going to make more money in your business, right? I have mm-hmm. I have known some people that have pulled out of homes or even sold homes to fund a business that did, unfortunately did not work. But that's entrepreneurship and that's kind of the game you play, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's much more of a risk when you try to pursue your own passion than mm-hmm. investing in real estate. It, it's right. just uh, it's it's not even unfortunate. It's just the way just, of life. It's just, it's just life. It yeah. yeah, like you think people haven't failed before. Yeah, most, of most welcome extreme, to the real world. <laughs> yeah, most you extreme don't get success participation stories. Medals out they, here. They've all failed at one point yeah. in their life. Who is Multiple. it? The, the KFC guy. 
Colonel like, Sanders. Like hundred. I'm pra- I'm pretty sure he made it big when he was in his seventies or sixties or seventies. Sixties. That's yeah. when he After started. Like. I don't even know, tens, hundreds of, you know, pitch attempts. Yeah, and, and that's when he made mo- it. Big. A lot of people like that, like J.K. Rowling, same thing, right? People laughed out Harry Potter out of the publishing offices and... Rocky, who, Rocky's laughing? the biggest story, literally mm-hmm. the biggest underdog story. The guy was denied by everybody right. and said, no, I need to act, I need to direct it, this is my vision, and now Sylvester Stallone is what yeah. he is, Rambo, Rocky, yeah. the Expendables. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> enough tangenting, yes. although Expendables is a great movie, great cast. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about what the hell's a refinance, right? A lot of people, like I said, we've confused you enough. What is a refinance? So in simple terms, you let's we're starting, let's run through the whole BERT process, right? We've started out, we've bought a property cheap. Let's assume the property was worth 800 when we bought it, but we bought it for 750 because it was a dump. We have that, and our mortgage on 750 is going to be whatever 80% of that is. Uh, we have then added some value to it. So the current property with the renovations, the current property value is now going to be worth 900. I bought it for 750, worth 900. So there's clearly a difference in value there, right? So you've added value to your property. Your current mortgage is based on the original purchase price of 700, 750, let's say. How do you access that? And that is done through refinancing or changing your mortgage, essentially, uh, in, in just the simplest terms. You are going to go back to your mortgage broker because hopefully you're working with a good mortgage broker. And you're going to say, hey, uh, I was able to increase the value of my property, or so I believe. Can we have it appraised by the bank? Can we go to a different bank and get me a bigger, higher mortgage based on the new value? Now, there's going to be a difference, right, in, in the difference between, I mean, hopefully there's a difference, between your new mortgage value and your previous mortgage value because you've increased the value of the property. And that's starting from the B yeah. and the first So because hours. you bought a little bit low, because you did some value-add renovations, and you rented it out to some good people, that's not super relevant on the, on the appraisal side more of things. A, more of the cash flow. But the cash flow is good flow. to see. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I said, now you have this higher value bank says, okay, cool. Uh, I agree that you have this higher value. What they're going to do is, and again, there's a lot more nitty gritty to it, but they're going to get rid of the first mortgage that you have there. It doesn't matter who it's with. And they're going to place a new mortgage on it. And there's going to be a difference in terms of what the first mortgage was and what the second mortgage was. And that difference is going to come back to you in cash Mm -hmm. essentially. So uh, a few more nitty gritty things. So let's, now you've, you finished your refinance. You have a pile of cash. That's the absolute the most so basic let's put this it. into numbers okay mm-hmm. so let's say uh i yep. bought a property and spent eight hundred thousand dollars in renovations and everything like like i mean i mean buying it okay whatever yeah, eight hundred thousand yeah, yeah. dollars and now i can get refinanced for one million dollars yep okay simple numbers a little bit easier mm-hmm. to work with okay what are the barriers now what do what if i go let's say you're my which you're not, you're not my mortgage broker, yeah. but let's say you're playing Phil is playing yeah. the role of a mortgage broker right now. What, and I come up to you, I come into your office, let's say this studio is the office Sweet. and I say, okay, so my mortgage is for whatever it is now. Yeah. Less it's kind of, um, hey, not look. irrelevant, but whatever. Here we'll run, we'll run maths. Okay. And, uh, and now I want a mortgage and it, and I know it could get appraised for $1 million. Uh, what do I have to do? I have to break that mortgage and I have to get a new mortgage and you're going to set that up for me. So let's let's dive in. What, what's the first thing you tell me? So 
we would have ideally you would have let your broker know ahead of time that this was your game plan, right? So if you're planning on doing a burr, if you're planning on refinancing this property before your mortgage terms are up or within let's call it the first six months, a year, nine months, whatever you're at, and you started with an A lender, so like a bank, and a lot of these properties that we're doing don't need private financing. They're not in that bad shape. So mm-hmm. you're gonna be likely going through a normal bank to get your mortgage. Up front, before we even get to this conversation, when we were doing the first mortgage, we would have had to make a decision on how are we going to structure this so that it's easiest to break down the road? Because we are going to have to break, discharge, get rid of the first mortgage position there. So we kind of have a decision to make there. Do we do variable? Do we do fixed? If we're going to be going fixed, do we do it on a short term? The reason variable versus fixed to me is such a an important question is because they typically, not again, all lenders have different criteria and defer to your mortgage broker for this, but typically they have a different structure in terms of penalties when you're going to break the mortgage. So a, a fixed mortgage will have, oh God, what is it even called? It's like an interest rate adjustment penalty, something along those mm-hmm. lines. I, again, not a, not sure the exact term right now, but they will essentially have a figure that is the difference between their posted rate versus, you know, the actual rate that you got over the life of the loan. So if it's a five-year loan and you break it in six months, they could hit you for an interest over a large portion. And then uh, from a variable perspective, and that means that that fixed version is unknown, that amount, Mm -hmm. most variable mortgages are going to be three months interest penalty. So not a monstrous amount of money on, you know, let's call it a hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You you might interest wise is let's call it two grand a month, maybe you pay six G's, right? Instead of potentially tens of thousands of dollars on a fixed mortgage if it had a long term. So you wanna know going in when you plan on breaking and to structure it that way based on when you plan on breaking. A fixed mortgage is fine if you're gonna do a one year fixed and you plan mm-hmm. on break like refinancing in one year. That's not the end of the world. So that that's okay. Um, but now we're coming back, right? We've said, hey, we have finished the property. It's worth X. We've tenanted it. We want to refinance it. This is a rental property. Uh, refinance rates are, are, from my experience, typically a hair higher, just as, a, as more of an FYI. Um, and at this point, you're going to be moving into probably a more long-term hold position, so you've done the bulk of your work. You're going to move this to the long-term hold part of, your, part of your portfolio. So the variable versus fixed argument is not so much there anymore. You're just going to be looking at like what the rates are going in the market and how they look like they're going to be trending. Do you want a fixed? At this point, that's fine if you go with like a long-term fixed because it's very unlikely that you're going to be refinancing again in the next year or two unless the market just goes berserk, right? Yes. Uh, so at, around like five years is when you can kind of, yeah, exactly. And you can take a little bit more out to another prop, mm-hmm. property. Something right, like so that. the difference between a variable and fixed rate for mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't know, um, variable rates fluctuate with the bank rates, uh, where fixed is that certain rate. So a lot of the times yeah. you'll see a fixed rates a little bit higher. Um, but you can lock it in, but for a you, longer you term. lock it in. Yeah. So it's pretty much, you, you take that decision. If you can get a fixed rate for, Let's say 3.5%, yeah. variable rate will be maybe 3%, just, right. just picking out numbers here. Yep. But the variable rate in a year or two could be 4%, or it could be 2.5%. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're kind of getting that. I mean, people have tried to predict which direction it's mm-hmm. going to go. It's very, very difficult to do so. Yes, last year they were saying they were going to raise the rates, they're going to raise the rates, down. and now they've gone down. So, I mean, 
take it as you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, at this point, you're going to come back, and we're going to have to have the property appraised again, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then they're going to have to requalify you to make sure that you can cover the new increased mortgage. So what helps you cover? Your tenants help you Your cover, that's help. for sure. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've rented this place out, and you know this is a rental property. Um, one thing I found going from vacant trying to refinance versus full with tenant with leases in place trying to refinance i mean every bank is different but depending on the bank you go to some of them will use the appraiser to judge rents Mm -hmm. and because the appraiser works for the bank things are very conservative um no i've had units that i know on the market will rent for two grand to be appraised at a twelve hundred dollar a month rent right but the a lot of banks if you have the lease in hand will use the actual amount which can be, like I said, can be 40% difference, which can make a huge, uh, huge impact. So I personally try and do the, the appraisals after it's all rented out. So you can show them, hey, look, here are the actual numbers. Yeah, these um, are the financials of my investment. That's yeah, exactly. This, this is a cash flow positive investment, right? I'm not going to be refinancing this to a negative point, which is then going to, they're going to have to look at you and say, okay, you as a person, can you float the difference, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's that. The, the income qualification is still important. Your personal income and then tied in with your new rental income is important. Uh, the appraiser is going to want to make sure. So, so, I mean, sometimes we've gone through and put in a bunch of bedrooms in a place. Like we, some of our rental portfolio, not personal, but like client portfolio has five bedrooms, six bedrooms in it. Uh, some banks are totally fine with that. Some banks are going to call that a rooming house, right? Mm-hmm. So you also, again, this is where a very good mortgage broker will come in handy, is they'll be able to put you in the right direction depending on the the type of home that you've done. And you should be telling them ahead of time so they can kind of pre-plan where they're going to put you. Um, what, else is, uh, what else is important? Obviously, the appraisal needs to come back at the value you're looking for. And it doesn't do you any good to say, I know my property is worth nine, but I'm going to ask for 1.1, right? Because then they can come in and they're going to look at it and they're going to say, hold on, it's worth nine. Do you really know what you're talking about? And, you know, that might kind of muddy the waters a little bit for you. It's better to go in realistic. Uh, I would say don't go in conservative. I'd probably go a little bit aggressive, but not too crazy because the banks, again, are always going to be conservative, right? So you, if you go in saying, hey, it's nine, but really it's 950 and you want 950, the appraiser is not going to say it's 950. They're going to say it's nine. Okay, cool. Good. Get out of mm-hmm. here. Right? So that's, I mean, something as well. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the process of like seeing the mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the fines typically? So you said what they are in variable terms. Mm-hmm. How do you, how could you justify when it's a good idea to break it? So you you call your call your bank. It depends on I mean that that number depending on the the breakage could literally change day by day mm-hmm. uh, as you kind of carry through your mortgage, right? So call your, when you plan on doing that refinance, you call your bank and you say, hey, what's the number, right? They'll tell you over the phone. We did one recently. Uh, it was like, okay, yeah, hey, if you break it today, it's $4,500.92 or whatever, right? Um, and then you have, yeah, then you have a decision to make. You can say, okay, by paying this forty five ninety two or whatever, I could potentially recapture a hundred grand out of this property. So I'm going to be increasing. There's a few factors here, right? I'm going to be increasing my mortgage by 100 grand. What does that do? Well, obviously, that's going to increase my payments by the associated amount. My rate might go up a little bit too, so I've got to factor all that in. 
when we did one recently, we took out a 90 something thousand dollars and it increased our payments by 600 bucks a month. So the question is, can I make more than, and, and we also had to pay like four grand in fees, right? Mm-hmm. Over the, just the one time thing. So if we can make 600 bucks a month with 90 something thousand dollars, then to me, that makes sense. I can leverage that property's 97 grand to then purchase more properties that are going to return me more than 600 bucks a month. So let's, I mean, let me math it out real quick. But if we've got, oops, 600 bucks a month or so over the amount of money we took out, it's like 7%. If we can make 7% or more, which in a lot of our investments we can, then it makes far more sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing to factor in is, does your property still cash flow, right? If for, for some investors with a large portfolio, that question might be a little irrelevant on a property-by-property basis. But as a new investor starting out growing a portfolio, I want to make sure no matter what I do, no matter how many times I refinance it, every property covers itself, right? So in, in my circumstance, the one that I'm discussing, the property still had well north of $1,000 a month in cash flow, which tells me, okay, the property's still good. It can still cover itself, still supports itself. I'm fine to leverage this one further and further until we get to a point where I say, eh, maybe we don't have enough to cover monthly expenses mm-hmm. if we do refinance any further. So we put a pause on that one. So the whole goal going into this is once you do refinance, the difference in interest payments mm-hmm. is going to be paid off by the rent payments that you already have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So regardless of how much you increase that, you're still cash flow positive on the first mm-hmm. on the first primary investment that you're refinancing. Then we have that ninety whatever thousand dollars in the in the bank. We can take that and go do. I mean, ninety grand isn't going to do you a full deal in Toronto, but it will do it in a lot of other markets. But we could go do a part of another deal, right? Or that plus some cash, you can go do a full uh, full other property. And then the idea being that you can refinance that one mm-hmm. and pull out a similar amount of money. And then you have two half free properties. And then you do it again and again and again and again. And again. Yeah, and exactly. And that's and the you repeat can, part. Exactly. And then you can continue to scale and grow that way, right? If you're, if you're, let's say your return on your investment of your property in the beginning was 20% ROI based on the cash that you put in. It's the, re- the, the cash you get out is going to go down a little bit. But if the cash you have in is half the amount that you started with, mm-hmm your returns are going to skyrocket on that individual investment, right? And you can like just leverage that, do another one, and take half out of that, skyrocket those returns, and yep. continue. And really grow a portfolio, a large portfolio, with the same capital you started with. And just doing that on multiple different properties. Yeah, so it, it it's the snowball effect. It's mm-hmm. the avalanche effect. You're at the top of the hill. Getting to the top of the hill is the hardest part. So yeah. making your first... Getting in, exactly. <laughs> Getting in is the hard part. Yeah, your first burn investment is is the hardest part. There's a lot of learning experiences you're going to yeah. go through. And just saving up the capital and qualifying for that mortgage is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're, you, know, you, you can go to different, uh, go through different routes like JVs. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. Or you know, other ways help from other people you know. Or saving the money, getting the job, qualifying. Yeah. You get there. And once you make your first proper burr, yep. the second one comes. And it's a little bit easier. It's still pretty tough to get your second one, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit easier. Now your third comes. That's 
much easier than the first yeah. two. So by, by number three, you kind of start playing this game of, okay, I'll refinance one to pay for three. Then on four, I'll refinance two to pay for four. Then on five, I can refinance three to pay. If I'm assuming you're doing them like one a year type of mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah, and then the ball gets rolling. Yeah. It also mitigates some uh, risk where you can go, if you really want, different neighborhoods. You mm-hmm. can try different things. You can do the same neighborhood. Yeah. If it's really working, you know, why kind of tweak it? Yep. Uh, and going forward. Now, by year five or ten, let's say you own, you know, eight mm-hmm. different properties. Ten could be more. Sure. Um, at that point, you can really start to think, okay, I own $10 million properties. Maybe it's more. Uh, the first five have probably appreciated a little bit or a lot of bit. Yep. Um, also have been paid off a little bit. At this point, you can try to think, maybe I sell those first five and buy a building. Yep. Maybe I buy some commercial properties. Right. Um, you, can, you can really get your foot in the door in different areas. Mm-hmm. But you can only do that if you start today yeah. or start, start soon. Start small. Start and, with whatever you can. Yeah. Right? And get the ball rolling. You know, push the snowball down yeah. the hill. The snowball's going to build and build and build until it's huge. So that's the whole, it's the perfect analogy for. Yeah. The snowball is basically all you're doing with the Burr method. Like you're still going to have, so long as you start today in Mm -hmm. some form of real estate investment idea, I mean, uh, some form of wise real estate investment. Ideally, it's picked in a good market that's going to appreciate over time, et cetera. That, and even if you're a homeowner, right? Mm -hmm. That snowball is going to roll regardless over time it's going to get larger all the burr is doing is pushing that snowball down the hill a lot faster because you're going to be able to leverage the same capital over multiple properties and really just push and push and push that snowball to to grow a little faster one thing i want to circle back to as you're talking about selling off the earlier parts of the portfolio let's say i did mention that you don't pay taxes on a reef so let's say you refinance a property and you pull a bunch of money out typically that's not taxed again refer to your accountant i'm not an accountant etc etc but that's not going to be taxed typically when you do the refinance to pull out the cash to put it in your bank account to buy more properties however since we're talking about investment properties here if you sell it you are going to pay capital gains right and capital gains doesn't care what you currently owe on the property if it's leveraged to the to hilt it cares what you bought the property for, right? So if I bought a property for a hundred and I sold it for a million, I'm going to pay capital gains based on the difference between the two, regardless of whether or not I currently have a mortgage of eight hundred thousand dollars on it, right? So that's also something to something to consider as you kind of portfolio plan down the road. But I am all for letting go the least performing assets, let's say, to especially the earlier part of the portfolio in a lot of cases, to pick up something bigger to scale to grow because. A lot of us, especially if you plan on building a big portfolio, 10 plus, you, 10 plus properties, you're going to start hitting those financing walls where maybe you can't get more, can't get more financing on these little single families. So you got to close out some of the, the lesser performing ones to pick up something a little bit more expensive or better performing. Yep. And that's, ex- that's exactly it. I mean, kind of said it better myself, <laughs> to be honest. Boom. So, I mean, that's a pretty quick... I'd say overview of refinancing. I mean, there's more nitty gritty things. What banks to go to? Yeah, I think we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a a mortgage broker friend of a friend of ours on in the next hopefully in the next couple of months, and he can dive a lot deeper on Mm -hmm. on the refinance process, which banks to use, 
you know, the differences between variable and fixed, how to, how to structure a, a growing portfolio to quickly get you to two or three and beyond. I know not everybody wants a giant portfolio, no. so that's going to be, uh, that, that'll obviously hold some people back a yeah. little bit. But We'll have a few different mortgage brokers over the next few months, uh, yeah. get different perspectives mm-hmm. and, and see what they offer. I mean, I, I think a lot too is how they got into it, you yeah. know, learning why they got into it yep. and, and, you know, everybody's life story is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's really interesting. I mean, personally to me. Yeah, I, I love, I always love hearing people's like come yeah. up stories. I think that's my favorite part of even having people on this podcast. Yeah. Just, How'd you get here? Yeah. How, What'd you what, do what did you do? You met your partner in jail? Like Rochelle. What? Yeah. <laughs> that, crazy. Monica, same thing. Yeah. Even Billy. I love I mean, Billy's. Billy's episode was better than I expected. It was It was like one of the better <laughs> well, ones. Well, you didn't expect much from Billy? <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> but like, I honestly, I've known Billy for years and I did not know like the, the yeah. house hacker extraordinaire backstory. There. Yeah, yeah. Or like well, how, you just how deep lot. it I went. mean, like, when do you ask these questions other than not a podcast, day-to-day. right? Like, yeah. like you meet someone, you're not going to ask them Interview all these personal. Them. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same. Where I think, I think this is a great way to learn a lot more about it people. Is. And, and get for good us, advice. Just, exactly. Yeah. Spreading advice. We're taking a lot of information as we're doing this ourselves. Yeah. Which, so, is, uh, which is cool. Our next little while, I mean, by the time this is released, we'll be done the RP Investments event. Yeah. Um, so we'll update you with how that goes. Uh, this is the end of our Burr series. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we might make a clip of... Uh, all the different episodes we had, put them together, like the nitty gritty facts of it, mm-hmm. and uh, and make like a one longer video. It'd probably be a few hours, but at least they'll Ooh, all be there. The maybe kid, two hours. Into webinars. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we might do something like that in the future. I've said nitty gritty like ten times. This is a really nitty gritty episode. Yeah, nitty gritty. That's, that's, that's the, the title. <laughs> nitty gritty. Yeah, so we're we're gonna have that ready for you guys. Um, now we're gonna get into some more interviews with people and. Mm. And uh, kind of diving deeper into different details uh, going forward. So we wanted to get the burr process not over with. I mean, it, I don't want to say it over was good with, to but start, with, start because with it. That's what we do mm-hmm. a lot of all day, every day. We're going to be referring back to this model yes. very often, right? So it's good to get that up front. Everyone's aware of what it is. I'm sure there's some details that we, we have not covered. Mm-hmm. And feel free to throw us some questions if you do want to dive a little bit deeper into... Uh, into how we do this, uh, but yeah, that, that covers the ground the groundwork quite a bit, so we can move forward with a lot of different uh, different conversations. Yeah. So again, thank you guys for listening to this part. Uh, we're gonna keep working towards. I don't want to say teaching people again. We're not we're not we're teachers. Just sharing we're just our sharing information. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, ask us any questions. We're more than happy to help out mm-hmm. and uh, reach out. And if you want to be on the podcast and you have a good story and this is something that you do, again, reach out. I mean, yeah. we've had many different people ask us already. Which yeah, is, I'm I'm loving how much uh, how much guest interest we've got, and we're we're all for bringing on as many people with as many cool stories, sharing as many cool investment stories as we can, or just business stories, how you got started. I think, yeah, going forward now, now that we got the burr over with mm-hmm. and we have that to refer to, yep. I think going forward in every episode, we will refer back to the burr yep. process. So if you haven't heard of what it is, if this is the first episode you're watching, watch or, back a few. Yeah, watch back a few. Hopefully uh, we'll clip them up and make them even maybe a shorter, you know, 10, 20 minute of each uh, the B, the R, the R, and then 
the final two yep. hours all together in one little video that you can watch and refer back to. That's going to be your investing Bible for there Toronto. We go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. All right. That's right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. You can find us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Make sure to comment, like, subscribe, and share if you enjoy the podcast. Mm-hmm.